0: Hey guys, just before we get into it, we would like to acknowledge our podcast partners in Beyond Blue. If you're feeling low, anxious, or need to talk to someone, please contact the people at Beyond Blue. Their phone number is 1300 224 636. You can visit them on the website as well at www.beyondblue.org.au forward slash get support. Enjoy the episode. Thanks guys. John Van Norden, and here with me is an ecstatic Sean Lewis after the Giants just capitulated against the Crows. How are you doing this week, Sean?
1: Um, yeah, I'm going all right, mate. I wouldn't say I'm ecstatic. I, I believe that uh, the Giants and the Dees are, probably shouldn't be playing finals if they can't beat who they've been playing. So, um, yeah, all, all credit to the Crows. It's a, it's another good win for Matty Nix, winning... Uh, Winnings becoming contagion for them.
0: Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm really happy to see the Crows have a couple of wins. And um, there's like one thing that's got to be um, can't underrate the influence of Rory Sloan. Um, I reckon that he's probably only played six games this year and he's played like he's been back for these wins, and they've just been a completely different side with him in the team. It's also
1: it, it's also led moving to the middle which is you know in the last month he's just been enormous like he, I think tonight he had he he was at half time on 10 clearances or something like yeah something extreme so
0: yeah I was actually I was actually just looking yeah apparently Rory Sloan played the first six games so he kind of been that impactful at the start of the year <laughs> uh, but look he's been he's been back um and having a captain in the side definitely prepares you um, much better and as you said they're, they're starting to get some wins across the board some of the younger talls are starting to play some really good games so look it's good to see Um, good to see that all those people that were saying winless season on the cards for the Crows um, sort of forget that it's very 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 rare does that ever happen what's um, so,
1: been a long long time since. It's yeah happened.
0: it's it's because there's a lot of bad luck that has to go in that run, so it's surely there was some good luck going to come their way, and and obviously they've had some good wins, so good on them, and it keeps the D's in the hunt. So, so um, Rory Laird, just for
1: minutes. just for interest sake. He's come up with twenty eight touches. Um, where is he? There he is. So twenty eight touches. Eleven clearances, two hundred and eighty meters gained from eighty-two percent time on ground. Nine tackles. Yeah, that's a very, very good game. Um, he's that, a, he's
0: I, a midfielder now, isn't he? Yeah, that's he's what I mean. Like back since back he's
1: more. since he's gone in the midfield, they've they've looked a lot more stable through the midfield. Um, yeah, you know, Rory being back obviously will help. That's just high. That's another high quality. You know, you bring in a top ten player losing a, a bottom kind of four-player um, out of your team. So it just improves that overall quality. But, you know, looking at tonight's win, you know, the the players that had the ball the most, uh, Brad Crouch, Rory Laird, Matt Crouch, you know, that's they're the guys you want to have consistent touches. So, you know, that's a real positive for... For Adelaide, um, Riley O'Brien had another good one with forty-three hitouts. Um, not sure what his hitouts to advantage were, but um, yeah, looking at looking at yeah, they're kind of top four players. It's their midfield there, so it's exciting for them. Um, it's really good that they're they're starting to you know click into gear. Um, yeah. you know they've got what's that six individual goal kickers, so you know they're not coming from one source, which is a good thing. Um yeah, there's a lot of positives
0: there for the Crows. So we like we like seeing the the younger teams and the teams towards the bottom get some wins, that's for sure.
1: Yep. And speaking of that, so tonight we're doing Gold Coast only because Freo beat the D's and jumped above Gold Coast yesterday. So yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, so that'll be interesting. But before we do it, mate, mental health minute, how are you? Tell me.
0: Uh, pretty good. I'm pretty tired. Um, I think I was saying here before my, um, my wife had like a sort of a promotion at work. Um, I say sort of a promotion it's because she's still sitting at the same level org chart wise. Um, but it just has additional responsibilities. Um, and I don't think that she finished work before midnight last week. Um, which sort of just put a strain on my sleep because I never go to bed, um, without her. So I was just up working or baking. I think I baked cookies and muffins in the same week. So that's a bit over the top. Um, Jeez, but look, it was delicious. Yeah, I know a care package. Um, so that was. I mean, it was. It's all fun and it's all good. Good things. Um, a lot of people doing it tough right now, so it's hard to complain about the side effects of getting a promotion at work. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, these things. All of your experiences are typically localized, so that's, that's sort of the only thing that's been really getting on my nerve in the last week, um, but other than that, mate, life's good. Um, I missed missed doing the podcast in the back half of the week last week, but life was intervening. Um, it was, last how you, week. How, how are you doing?
1: Yeah, yeah, look, everything's, everything's going well. Um, I seem to be getting through this infection now, so the leg's on the on the up um i hope just got one more check up next week and and hopefully get the all clear um but physio is progressing you know very well i'm in front of where i meant to be but i feel like i'm behind because i um yeah the infections basically held me back at physio so i could be further ahead um which is which is a, a frustrating thing it's an interesting thing i guess that um yeah, like I gave, I gave a bit of a, a safety talk at work during the week about it. And, um, obviously, um, we're coming into, you know, that are you okay day and, um, a lot of mental health stuff, obviously with this, this pandemic and Melbourne being locked down, there's a lot of conversations, um, being had around looking after your mental health. And it was interesting cause I kind of reflected on the, the injury that I've had and the effect on my mental health that it's had and it's quite interesting. I probably learned something which seems kind of logical about myself, but, you know, I'm kind of like, I've got no problems in sitting in silence and, and being with myself and, or anything like that. But, you know, when I'm trying to overcome something, you know, I, as many people do, you, you go from kind of goal to goal to goal, target to target to target. And, um, you know, like I, I got to five weeks and, you know, I'd healed up really well. Um, In terms of, like, the bone and everything with the with after the surgery on the leg, and but to have an infection that is completely, you know, I can't see it, I can feel it, but I can't see it. It's, you know, it sits in there, and it's, but basically, that's held me back from being able to, you know, kind of get to my next goal. And you know, dealing with that, you don't really have an end time. It's not like, you know, in three weeks you should be able to walk, or you should be able to do this. If you do the right things, it's like in three weeks we hope it's gone. Um Yeah. And in a lot of ways it's that that invisible kind of enemy in the same way, you know, COVID's afflicting the world at the moment. It's that invisible enemy that we don't really understand and know. And it's it's really just yeah, it's it's given me great pause and, and the impact to my mental health is that um I found out that obviously without having that goal and being feeling like I'm being held back, it you know, it led to it led to you know feelings of like you're not accomplishing what you need to and you know like i'm still working a full day i'm, I'm lucky that i'm able to modify my duties to work from home and um, work from you know not have to go to site and that sort of stuff but yeah it's just interesting that yeah mentally i struggled a few times there was more than a few times that um you know you sat there going you know am i going to get better what's the problem like why can't why isn't my body fixing itself you know what have I done wrong, kind of thing, and um, you know, at the end of the day, you, you know, the, the the chances are this infection's been nothing of my doing, um, but I'm the one who has to deal with the consequences in a way which seems unfair, but you know, it's the nature of it as well, and and you kind of mentally you have to accept that and you have to confront it and and say you know all right, you're doing everything you can. You know, you're taking your tablets daily or you're monitoring it. You're you're in contact with the doctors anytime it changes. You know, I had this negative pressure bandage, so I'm making sure it's always got batteries and it's always got power and it's always got suction on the leg and all this stuff. And so you're doing everything you can and you you just kind of have to accept that that's all you can do. And that's a a very interesting thing because like with physio, it's kind of like I go until it hurts, I stop, I ice, I check, and then I can keep going again if, if it's not hurting anymore. You yeah, know, so you can always kind of find that next level of pushing. Whereas with this infection, I didn't have that, and that was that was very kind of um, unsettling to me because it's not something I'm used to. So, um, and it's also you know I'm not used to taking antibiotics. Full stop. I'm allergic to penicillin. In my lifetime, I would have had antibiotics maybe twice before this. And wow, and like literally. The antibiotics knocked my body around because they were strong, or heavy. I'd never ever taken them before. You know, I had a lot of issues because they said you don't need them with food, but yet they were absolutely ruining my guts. You know, I had a couple of nights waking up at three am in the morning, hurling my guts up. Like, um, oh man. So it's, yeah, it's been it's been a really interesting. You know, but that, that's the unpleasant side of it, I guess. But you know, at the same time, you know, what's what's I'm the very, pleasant
0: side of the infection? <laughs>
1: Well, there isn't really one, but the, the I guess the the positive is I've learned a lot about myself and a lot about how I can I, I overcome things. And I think if you know if I was faced with something like this again, my approach would be different. My approach would be more trying to understand, you know, how much can I do to help, and finding that that level, you know, if if I can only do X, Y, and Z to help, then I have to accept. That that's all I can do, and yeah, and be forgiving on myself at that point rather than being hard on myself. To you should be doing more, you can do more, you know. Like that's that's just not helpful for me, and that's not helpful for anyone. We all we're all capable of beating up on ourselves like that. So, and then you know the 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 beautiful thing that I've got in my life is is my daughter. You know, she smiles and all this stuff disappears. So um, it's a it's a very fascinating time at the moment um, you know being at home working from home my wife being on maternity leave having the daughter you know it's all it's all kind of interesting um, because you know when I do get down I can find myself coming around very quickly but I still gotta understand why I felt that way yeah you can't just leave it you've got to try and well for me like the personality I am I want to go back and and understand, well, you know, what drove this, and so it's yeah, it's it's quite interesting. But yeah, but other than that, look man, life life's great. Like I've you know got you know great job, great team, uh, you know amazing family. Um, you know I've got people calling me every couple of days. You know checking in, seeing how I'm doing. I get to do podcasts with you, so you know it's all there's so much to be grateful for, and and there are plenty of people doing it a lot worse than I am so um,
0: you know yeah I I find that we say that quite a bit um, which is a hard thing like as in there's always people doing it harder and I think that that context is always important but sometimes um, you can be a bit judgmental on yourself for feeling like things are hard when they're not as hard as somebody else had it Um, and as you said earlier like a lot of these things you can only experience in a localized context um, and being aware that other people are, are dealing with harder situations is important, um, but then also not judging yourself for having thoughts and feelings, as you said, where this feels hard, um, it sucks not being able to do this thing that I want to be able to do, um, even though it's not as bad as somebody else, just having the context of being able to go, okay, then it's okay to feel like that. Um, I think it's pretty important. Um, and I'm glad that you got to learn some stuff out of that experience equally. Don't get an infection, um, and throw up at three am again, please.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's probably probably first thing is, uh, don't break your leg so you don't have to have surgery, and then if you do, <laughs> ho- hopefully you don't ever get an infection. So, yeah. Um, with that, let's jump into it, mate. Um, Gold Coast Suns. I'll list, do
0: list profile. Take us through the list profile.
1: Sounds good. All right. So averages first. So twenty three years two months. Youngest in the AFL and average games of 50.5, which is, again, um, the least in the AFL. Um, Median age-wise, 22 and 7 months, which is 16th, so third youngest in the AFL median-wise. And surprisingly, games-wise, the median player is 31 games, which is 13th overall, so... Um, the middle player on their list, who's yeah twenty twenty two and seven months, has has played almost thirty AFL games or played over thirty AFL games, which is um, yeah, it's it's it was, a, it was something that you know surprised me a little bit, um, but it shows that they're they're getting games into youth.
0: Yeah, so. I think that's that's probably the right assessment to draw from. That is that they're getting games into youth. So when you pump games into the youth across the board, um, and then you go and you bring in some senior players um, that have more experience and sort of change the profile of your team, you can make that acceleration. Yep. Um, and we'll get, we'll get into some of their key changes in a second. Their depth chart, so they have four key forwards and they have 13 general forwards, which is relatively high, with five mid-forwards, 15 midfielders, three rucks, 10 general defenders and six key defenders. Yep. So still rel- relatively light, even though they have um, some strong key pretty relatively light in those areas, yep. um, but really well established in, in terms of total number of midfielders, which is a good sign, I think, for a young club. And they got a um, lot, They got a lot of
1: utility players. So in the key defenders, there's obviously Jack Lukosius, who, who's a key defender at the moment, but can play forward. Um, obviously, they've got Peter Wright, um, who isn't playing at the moment, but he's a key forward and a ruck, so he kind of doubles as well. Um Quite a few of their generals, uh, that 190, 191, which we categorise as a general rather than a key, yep. um, as well. So, I mean, is kind of the hard thing with looking at it just with you know raw numbers, but you need to put a cut off at some point. But yeah, they've definitely, definitely a little bit light in the key stocks, which surprised me. But at the same time, um, the quality of their key stocks is just awesome. So,
0: yeah. I think that's where it sort of matters as well um, is that depth is important potentially when you're in a performance mode um, so potentially as they shift keeping that depth or improving that depth in those areas to cover injuries will be important Yeah. but at the, at the moment it's growth still growth stage for him um, so key changes some of those changes I was talking and that sort of potentially can help skew that age up when you're playing with the young list Brandon Ellis came in as a free agent and um, they also had outs. Uh, so Richard Telly and Nichols retired. Uh, they delisted Jack Leslie, uh, Connor Nutting, Brad Shear, Aaron Young, Harrison Wig, and Braden Crosley. Uh, and they had a, I mean, they had a pretty high activity level across the board in terms of trade involvement. So Callum Archie went out, and they brought in Brisbane's twenty twenty second round pick and a fourth round pick. Uh, and their twenty twenty fourth round pick. Sorry. Uh, they got Hugh Greenwood themselves uh, and sent out their 2020 third round pick and their 20, 24th round pick they were able to acquire Zach Smith for pick 58 which was good coverage in the ruck for a, a draft pick that probably wasn't that valuable to them well they, they were never going to use 58 so they're, yeah they were never going to use 58 I completely agree um and then there were a couple of players they selected at the draft and trades that they made on draft night. So Matt Rowe and Noah Anderson obviously selected picks one and two and have already shown that those guys are going to be very key players. Injury uh, permitting, of course, uh, but Anderson's been fantastic this year uh, and, and Rowe was uh, exceptional in his first three to four games. Um, and then the the next selection they, was a pick they didn't have until the night. It's the trade for pick 11, which they then used on Sam Flanders. They sent out pick 17 and 22 which is sort of a downhill uh, trade for me I think that they traded out too much um, in order to get Flanders given that Kemp went at 17 um, yep. and 22 uh, was early in the second um, second round which was a valuable part of the draft I thought it was the they last
1: then... pick of the first round
0: wasn't it I think it might have been the first pick of the second round um, it was one of those two though like as in it was around that mark Um the reason I thought that, that was a potentially poor outcome as well was because they ended up using um, pick 11 in the 2020 draft, which was a compensation pick that they received for being average for a long period of time, um, for, and pick 62 in that draft for pick 27, which they used on Jeremy Sharp. So it wasn't a great return. When when you look at sort of what they went in, um, those, those three to four picks, so if they had 17, 22, and pick 11 this year, and they ended up with Sam Flanders and Jeremy Sharp when they probably could have ended up with uh Brody Kemp, Jeremy Sharp at twenty two and a twenty twenty pick eleven. Yeah. Um so uh, it's it's obviously you trade up to get the players you want. Um but at the same time, um, overpaying is never recommended.
1: Yeah, I mean, we went through those trades a while ago, so we won't harp on about them. They also brought in uh, Brandon Ellis on free agency, which I liked, and then they had the lovely charity from the AFL of being able to take uh, academy kids outside of the draft and bring them in as Category A rookies. So that was Connor Butterick, Matt Conroy, and Malcolm Rose's Jr. They'll be able to do the same thing this year with the top, Probably top ten pick in Alex Davies. Um, I know we went we banged on about last year the the three year rescue plan for the Gold Coast from the AFL was just extraordinarily extreme, and it's funny like listening to Clarko's comments about the compromising of the draft and everything. Um, while I find it ironic that he's he's now complaining about it when. You know so many clubs have been beneficiaries of, of compromising the draft over the years and that, and that includes obviously uh, priority picks in in picking up buddy and, and Ruffy in one year and, and that sort of thing um, but the he, he's not wrong like the the changes that the AFL is that we, we spoke about a lot last year with the compensation like giving him a set pick that pick 11 in next year was you know on top of a pick two which was noah anderson um, was over the top um, anyway and then on top of that they had they've got you know three years to pick these kids outside of the outside of the um the rookie li- on the rookie list rather than through the draft and you know effectively they're going to now be able to pick up you know alex davies outside of the draft when he would have cost them their second round picks this year um, yep. Which is just you know it's an extraordinarily like generous charity and they've got expanded lists and everything. But good on them, they've used it well. Connor Buterick, what a pickup. He's played just about every game, I think. Um, yeah, I think- he's
0: been he's been great. Um, I think we we knew that he had skills. Um, I probably didn't know how quickly it slot into AFL level because of his size. But they've just taken the mold of watch all. Um, Watch all of the game tape of Caleb Daniel, um, <laughs> and just just try to be him. Yeah, just like just just play on the play on the shortest defender and, and be a, our outlet ball user. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely, and and, and in doing that, they've effectively, you know, um, fast tracked his development. I feel, yep. and and I think that he's going to be yeah, he's definitely one for the future. I think he'll lock down a, a halfback. Flank or a, or a back pocket for the next ten
0: years. Yeah, so. and given that they had um they have Harbrow and Hanley uh, both getting towards the end of their careers, I thought it was well, really Hanley's retired. Hanley's retired, has he? Um yeah. When did he retire? Like
1: the yeah, like last week or something? Two weeks ago.
0: Ah, uh, okay. Sorry, I didn't see that. Um, but like yeah, like given they had those guys coming towards the end of their career, it is good to find a replacement um and invest some games into them now. Yep. Um so, key players. Key players. Yeah. Um all key right. players for now. I'm, I'm gonna do it. Um right. Jared witz uh Jared Witz is the captain. Um I think is he is he a co captain with Took?
1: Probably. I think Took I thought Took was captain, so
0: I think I might think be the co-captains, but Jared Whitson, Took Miller, um, and then you've got Sam Collins, Lockie Weller, and Hugh Greenwood. Um, interesting that four of those five players were acquired by a trade um, so or free agency. So um, Collins, free agency, Weller, Greenwood, and Whits trade, which is all, I think, quite interesting um, given the concessions that they've had over the years that... Yeah. I guess that oh, what they, I they to... haven't really been able to tie it together.
1: Yeah, and what I was going to say is, so when we've picked... Gold Coast, I found really hard to pick the key players now. Um, you know, with with a lot of sides, it's kind of a lot more obvious. But with these guys, it was really difficult. So what I kind of did with this is a bit more scientific, if you will. Maybe not scientific, a bit more stats-driven. I looked at um, AFL player ratings um, and a few other ranking systems that are out there and and they were kind of the top five players and I kept Sam Collins in there because I just, you know, every time I watch I just think he's fantastic but what's interesting when I went to the future a guy like Lockie Weller who's going to be there in the future he'll be there in three years, no issues he drops off the future list simply because I think that he has to be overtaken for them to become premiership threat he has to become the ninth or tenth player on their list
0: Yeah, Yeah, no, I couldn't agree with you more, mate. So, when we look at those future players, you've got Matt Real, Noah Anderson, Isaac Rankin, Ben King, and Sam Collins. I would almost argue that um, Lakosha should be on that list as well. So, at least to include.
1: I found it very hard. And I'm is... gonna, I'm
0: gonna, ex- I'm gonna extend it to add Luco on the bottom of that as well. They can have six. Yep. Um, but the, the the two drafts, this draft and the, I mean the 2019 and the 2018 drafts have been very kind to the Suns. Um, so look, they really are building a future around some elite, um, elite talents. Like Isaac Rankin is done doing some things that other players just can't do. Um, plays the game in a different way. Raoul um, and Anderson are going to be a great duo for the future hopefully they can retain all of these guys forever um, and King is showing that he's probably more than um, what he was given credit for in his 18th and 17th years which was just the slightly less good version of Max um, his dedication and his impact on games has been huge
1: yeah yeah agreed
0: um, um, and then moving best into 22. the best 22 yeah yeah you go yep
1: um, all right, so lining up across the back line, uh, Buderick, Ballard and Harbrow. Half back line, Lacocious, Collins and Bows. Uh, Weller and Powell on the wings. Uh, Anderson, Day and Ellis across the half forward line. Rankin, King and Ainsworth across the full forward line. Uh, starting centre, Raul with uh, Miller and Greenwood and Big Witsy in the ruck um, on the interchange bench. Uh, Holman, Fiorini, Sexton, and McPherson—you could quite easily throw in three or four others there, pretty comfortably as well. So yep. it was—it's a best twenty-two based off what we've watched this year. Um, however, and the fact that we rate Fiorini quite highly as well, um, even though he's struggling, I guess, to get a game at the moment. Um, you know, looking looking at their talent, the talent that in. Two or three years the talent between kind of 18 and and 26 on their list is, is really going to lift um, as they develop yeah. so you know a guy like fiorini or mcpherson or these kinds of guys as they get better and better um they're just really going to to go strength to strength so i think gold coast you know probably two years will start to really become quite problematic for the top eight and um yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting. So,
0: yeah, I I think that's going to be really important for them to just develop their role players. Um, because when I look at that bench, I think, yeah, they've probably just got some work to do in terms of the the depth of their top players. Um, I mean, the the depth of their twenty two. But they, um, as you said, they'll just be replaced over time as the Suns continue to improve.
1: Yeah, um, um the good.
0: Yeah, take us through it.
1: Yeah, so I mean, the good, pretty obvious, high-end young talent. Um, a lot of their, uh, a lot of the talent on this list is real high-end. So, um, they're, as we said, they're only going to go strength to strength with that sort of talent. Providing injuries don't cruel them. Um, I think the club seems a lot more settled. I know that previous years we've knocked them at the changes that they've had. The club now seems to be quite settled. Um, and Stewie Jew starting to have a, you know, he's he's starting to get developing players, so he's able to play with his game plan a bit more. Uh, and I really like the way they play. I think it fits their list really good. Um, and they've also started to win games playing that same way. So that's a really important thing with a young developing side like them, um, is that they are winning games now while still developing. Um, and and good. As much as it irks us, is is the concessions that they were given for the draft and the list size. So, you know, they're still able to, you know, really push their their list management hard, Um, and they've got, you know, they're able to take some pretty good talent outside of the draft, as well as, um, you know, effectively being able to take a kid like Alex Davies outside the draft, plus keep their first round pick. Um, They potentially could have kept that. Pick eleven as well. Um, they could have effectively had three top fifteen picks um, in this draft. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of good they traded that out. Um, but even their second round pick, which I think they've still got, um, will also you know they don't have to sacrifice anything to get Davies. So you know effectively they're gonna they're gonna be able to pick two or three players inside the first two round ra- through three three players. Within the first two rounds, because they've picked up Brisbane's um, second rounder as well. Second rounder and, as well, yeah. And, and take Davies outside. So that's four kids inside of the top kind of 40 of the draft, which is.
0: It's a good position to be in. Four yep. inside 40 is a great draft hand. Um, the bad? Yeah, so one win against the top eight opposition. Um, and they had one draw against the group that were ahead of them, um, not inside the eight, but really they need to start taking on some games against these top eight teams they were close in a few of them um but they they do need to take some scalps um and get some of these wins on the board i think that I, i am always complimentary though um of developing teams that do beat down the teams beneath them that win those games because I, I'm always way more speculative of a team that loses to all of the teams below them and beats a few of the teams above them and sort of finishes um, in that sort of, I don't know, 14 to 10 region. And people sort of say, oh, that club, they're ready to take the next steps. They took some big scalps last year. They just need to clean up and beat the lower teams. Whereas I think it's the opposite. I think that you need to be good enough that you win all of the games against the lower teams and you get better with time. Um, with time, you challenge those top teams more and more and you take more scalps as time goes on. And I think that's what they'll do next year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, look, I I don't disagree with the sentiment. I, I think that's a good way to look at it. I just, I guess, looking for stuff at the moment um, at the club, it's not a lot. And the only thing I could really see was that, you know, wanting them to take the next step and that's, you know, if we want to take the next step this season, then they've got the Lions or Pies to finish. So, claiming one of those two would be huge. That would really, um, that would really set them up for a big next year. Because I think that would give a lot of belief to a young list that we're doing the right things. Come next year, we can hit the ground running. You um, know, in a, yeah. in, a, in a strange way, the shortened quarters have really given the younger teams like gold coast a an ability to beat sides above them as well because yep. they're they they do not have i guess the the battle hardened bodies of afl so typically a full game of afl it takes you two three years to really learn to run those games out um and and if you're a younger team you often fall away um, in the last kind of five minutes, ten minutes of a quarter. And having all the quarters reduced by effectively five to six minutes um, a quarter means that... And they, and they remember, they cha- trained all pre-season for the longer game. So they're able yeah. to run out games a lot better. So I think they've got to really look at this year as an example of what they can do, come back, hit the, hit the track really hard. And all their kind of second, third, fourth-year players should really be taking... The confidence out of this year, and especially if they can snag the Lions, is the one I'd they'd probably want. Um, and they just would want, ru- they
0: would want to beat the Lions, yeah,
1: yeah, and just run into into next year full full head of steam, knowing that you know for an eighty percent game we can beat all these sides. Um, now we've just got to get that final twenty percent into our legs so we can do it now.
0: Yeah, and I mean we we always do the good, the bad, the ugly, and and really. It's- it's an, it's an interesting time for the Gold Coast so we've actually not put down an, an ugly we've just said they don't really have much ugly going on at the moment. they always have had a lot of ugly going on correct but but this year things things seem pretty good you know they seem like if anything they seem like they're going to be the next team to beat. Um, I think a lot of people are worried about what the Gi- uh, what, not the giants that's what, that's who we were worried about we're not worried about them anymore. Um, no. we're worried about the Suns uh, worried about when this team um, are up at full steam how anyone's going to be able to stop them um, and that's what you want you want some players that you go man I do not want to play against that person when they're 23 happy <laughs> playing against them as an 18, 19 year old but I don't want to know what they're like when they're at the peak of their confidence and their powers um, what, athletically And the, yeah. what does a full season Matt Rowe look like? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see that. So, yeah, nothing, nothing in the ugly. Um, but I um, am about to get attacked by cats, so I'm going to have to take a quick break. Um, but we'll be back after this short break. If
1: you constantly worry that the worst is going to happen, you're not alone. One in four Australians will experience anxiety. Know when anxiety is talking. Visit Beyond Blue to start a life. Beyond anxiety,
0: and we're back. Um, thank you, thanks for giving me that time to feed my cats, Sean, um, and to to hear a quick word from the sponsors. Um, but we're going to move into the off contracts. So this is always a um, not a contentious, but it's an important part of the review process where we go through and actually check who we think that is out of contract, will we be getting a contract, who. Should be getting a long contract to They potentially need to look at rookieing or delisting. So, yeah, I'm going to pass the baton to you to sharpen the axe this time. Okay, shoot. You, you finally, you fi- I know you're probably not prepared. Um, I mean, we're both looking at the same set of notes, so I assume that you'll just read out the comments. But I, this could be anything. Um, he's never done it before, so let's see how he goes. <laughs> I haven't I haven't um, done it
1: since last year, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Anthony Miles.
1: Uh, he's not getting a game So it's a D-list And then the question is Do you re-rook him or not With the large rookie list And it really just comes back to You know What's happening with their With the with the AFL list sizes So um, Probably oh, like I just think he's not getting a game So he's a D-list
0: Yeah uh, Fiorini Two years Yeah I agree with that uh, Connor Buterick.
1: Promote to the senior list Give him a three year contract
0: Yeah Connor's been great um, He's such a good player to watch as well So um, Good on him uh cory ellis
1: uh may as well cover off the next two Corey ellis and george hall and smith both the same as miles not playing uh so i think uh delist them both you could probably out of the three of them you could you could re-rookie one or two of them um with a with an expanded rookie list if if not maybe you keep hall and smith or ellis i'm not really sure yeah. i'd probably probably hall and smith's the one i'd keep but again none of them are really getting games so it's and they do have to open up uh, three list spots, I think. So
0: Yeah, it's it's always one of those ones as well where that these guys aren't going to be part of their next team. Um, and if you could delist all three of them, even if you could keep one of them, what if instead you just took another chance on a rookie-listed player? Because you could find Sam Collins, um, check You could find a, a player that hasn't been tried, comes up and, and instantly impresses and becomes a player that could be in your best 22. Um, so I And those guys aren't part of the culture of the Gold Coast Suns either. They've been there for two years, so they haven't been there for an extended period of time. And I think it's probably fair enough to, to see them all off. Yep. Um, Jack Homsch. Uh, one year depth. Yeah, I think one year for depth is good. Uh, Jacob Dawson.
1: Uh, I think he's he's rookie. Same with Jacob Heron, who's next. So they've been on the list yeah for three years. So I think they actually have to be delisted okay. um yeah. off the rookie list. And I don't think either of them are getting promoted. Unfortunately, so I think they're both delists.
0: Yeah, I'd say that as well. I think Dawson, he's probably been the one that I've sort of thought might take another step. But he look he's worked really hard. So um we'll see. But I I think that he's probably a delist as well. Um Harbrow.
1: Yep, so Harbrow, obviously, on the older side of their list. Um, he's an unrestricted free agent. I would give him a, a one plus one, so one year with a performance clause for the second, just given his age. Um, I think on on form for the last few years, he's probably worthy of a two-year contract, but yeah, just given his age, probably a one plus one
0: for me. No, you're right, one plus one. Um, Jesse Joyce, great name
1: yeah uh one year i think um again it's a bit more depth so like with with these whole rookie and d list i think once you've got your three list spots then you're looking at your positional depth i think joyce just gives them a little bit of additional depth um, in that yep. spot Do so i think he's he's a, a game breaker for them probably not um, but you know he's 191 centimeter defender so he kind of you know if, if they decide to throw Lakoshas forward again you know he's depth in that spot
0: yep no I agree with that uh, that's, that's a fair enough call uh, Joshua Schoenfield
1: uh, D list he's a rookie list so I think he was main list and then rookie he's been at club for five years but yeah he's not getting game so D list him
0: Yep, I agree with that as well. Matt Conroy.
1: Uh, he's on the rookie list. He's one of your three Ruckman, um, and Zach Smith yep. is not is not getting younger, and neither is Jared Witz. So uh, one-year deal uh, for Conroy.
0: Yep, no, that's fair enough as well. I agree with that. Um, Mitch Reardon.
1: Uh Yep, again, another one not getting a game. Um, again, on the rookie list. So... Um, been there two years probably time to delist
0: yeah i'd be interested to see if they try to keep mitch Riordan around for one more year um maybe just on just as a rookie because he's um he's had some injuries um i think they selected him as a spp selection maybe two years back yep um but yeah you're probably right um Nick Coleman.
1: Uh, well, this is his last year on the rookie list, so they have to promote him or delist him, and given he's best 22 or he's in that kind of, you know, the 18th to 26th best player slot, I would be re-signing him probably two years.
0: Yeah, I you? think two years. Yeah. Oh, um, i actually had an interview about him a while back that just sort of said that he always needs to be on the edge of... Um, at being dropped, so potentially one plus one plus one, um, yep. like one of those performance based clauses, um, would seem uh, well positioned. Patrick Murtagh. uh,
1: I've got him as D list, I don't know anything about him though, so I'm happy to. I think he's a cat category B rookie,
0: yeah. Surely he's Irish with a name like Murtagh or however you say it. Yeah. Am I doing an Irish accent? Is that well, He's Gold, what an he's, Irish person he's Gold like?
1: Coast Academy? According to. Really? Yeah, I'm not really sure. Okay. So look, they could give him another year. Again, it all I've I've kind of taken the view that their rookie list might get cut back a bit and this year they've got uh I think they've got to bring in four NGA kids potentially. Okay. Uh one, two, three, four, yeah, there's four NGA kids. So they need they need of their ten man rookie list, they do definitely need minimum of four slots. So Murta could be one of them
0: okay um pierce hanley as we mentioned is retired yep. um or as you mentioned is retired and sam fletcher is the last one
1: yeah so again a bit like Murta, i don't um his same age and everything don't really know uh i kind th- of remember him i think in his draft year but I, it's, it's a couple of years ago now so i've got him as d-list they could quite easily re rookie him uh, like it just depends but he's, he's only got one more year he can be on the rookie list so
0: yeah, I I maybe give him another year because I think he was the SPP. Maybe Mitch Riordan was a midseason um, draft. Okay. Um, but yeah, that, so those two players, I wouldn't be surprised to see either get a rookie or D list. But yeah. Um, moving into the trade and draft, what do you think is missing?
1: Uh, the biggest glaring deficiency is their next ruckman. So their depth in their ruck and whoever they're they're. Next premiership Ruckman is given that Wits I think, is 28 or... Yeah, 28. So, um, you know, assuming they're in the window in a couple of years' time, you will probably be 30, 31. Um, they're probably going to need to have a, a strong developing Ruck coming in behind. So, you know, whether they're looking at a kid like maybe a Sam Hayes from Port Adelaide is, is an option, um, uh, you know, that, that sort of thing, or maybe even... Uh, big Maxi Lynch from your mob, mate. He he could be a, another yeah. one they could start developing. So, but yeah, that's. I just think the the biggest glaring deficiency on their entire list is is ruck depth. Um, they could probably do with another key forward. Um, but, you know, as we've spoken about, they've got a lot of depth there, and Lukoshas can swing back on front. So.
0: Yep, you know, I th- I think investing in tools makes sense. There's a lot of aging tools across the AFL. Yep. Um. So investing in a new Ruck now would be um, smart before there comes a a complete dearth of them and everyone's overpaying. Yeah. And and, um, and
1: with that as well, they've also got. I think their their four selections this year, their four NGAs, are all midfielder or all utilities. Okay. I think I can't. I'm not sure about Max Peskin, but I'm I'm pretty sure they're all. That. But yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Trade bait. Yep. Um. What are What are they What are they doing with players that are on their list, potentially in contract, and um, trying to create some additional value?
1: Yeah. Look, I think um, I think there's a lot to do with this list for the, the first time in a while. Um. Rather than being kind of um, you know, bait for the other clubs, I think this this time round they're in a more GWS type position where. They've got some real good surplus, some AFL quality surplus that they can, they don't have to sell, but they can sell to the highest bidder kind of thing if the price is right. Um, so, first name off the bat is one that's going to get a lot of speculation is Will Brody, um, inside midfielder, pick number nine, I think. Um, and yeah, like, I mean, I really liked him in his draft year. He's shown a bit at AFL level, um, but. He he hasn't quite come on the way probably we wanted him to, and with them bringing yep. in Rao and Anderson, who both play inside, um, and even like a kid like like, um, like Bows Jack Bows has had to be moved to the backline to to find a spot. Um, I just don't think Brody has that flexibility. However, his inside ball winning ability will certainly attract teams like Essendon, St Kilda. Um, probably the first two off the top of my head. Uh, Adelaide could be a good spot as well. Um, so I think, yeah, Will Brody's an option. Jez McLennan uh, picked a bit similar to Jeremy Sharp a few years ago um, and, again, can play the same role as Jeremy Sharp and he's just not getting a game. I know, I think he's had some injuries and stuff, but um, really just, yeah, he, he's a couple of years in now. So, you know, you'd kind of want him to, to have... Picked up a few more games. Like well, he's got none at the moment. Um, yeah. And and so yeah, you really. Uh, I guess being Central Districts boy, you know, is it something Adelaide might look at? Um, given he's probably the right age profile for their for their club as well. Um, Peter Wright, obviously, not getting a game with 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 Ben King and um, Sam Day playing so well. So. You know what's his value on the open market to a club like Collingwood or or Essendon again for a key forward if they lost Joe Danaher, um, even even a club like Geelong potentially Peter Wright, um, and then there's Rory Thompson uh, who who's been crueled by injuries and is a long standing uh, player but you know is the time right for him to move on given that that Ballard has come on so well and. Uh, Sam Collins is playing really well, and they've also got um, Burgess, I think, as well as the other one. So, um, And then, yeah, finally, the 2021 draft picks, which I think is your suggestion if you want to talk through that.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about this today, and I'm not actually wedded to the idea, but it just sort of got me interested thinking about Gold Coast, where now is the time to potentially think about trading out of the future draft there'll be a lot of people probably wanting to get out of this draft due, due to the compromised nature of it um, and to the fact that they haven't been able to assess all of the Victorian talent in the, in the way that they normally would um, but it just made me think there might be an opportunity for a club like the Suns who may want a second pick um, and may want to take a bet on themselves moving up the ladder a little bit next year um, or at least not finishing in say the bottom five um, where where the sort of the real top talent is because I think for them it sort of makes sense to try to take an additional selection um and bunch a couple of kids together in this sort of three year period, um, given that they're gonna have two or three good kids come through again this year. Um, so again, I think probably a clubs that that would suit uh a clubs like the Cats who have three first round picks and are still in the performance window. They, they need to start transitioning their list, but they potentially might give up a late first round for an early-ish first round, um, like as in trade, say, pick 15 um, for the Suns' future first round. I think that's a fair deal um, because most people would sort of see that Suns' future round being maybe pick eight the following year. Um, so I think that works out well for both parties. And I think re- regarding the other players, you sort of mentioned... Um, there's probably a couple of uh, packagey type deals that I think clubs should look at. So uh, Brody and Peter Wright as sort of like a um, unfulfilled high draft pick talent package, um, sending to a club like Essendon, um, who probably needs to start looking at some alternative options uh, and bringing in a key position player slash ruckman um, like a in Ruck Cover. And an inside midfield, like inside midfield, is an area they've needed to fill for a while. Um, that sort of makes sense to me. Jez McLennan maybe is a replacement uh, for the outgoing McKenna as, as just a development person within that pipeline. But again, I think um, those are the packages of dreams when you send three players out to one club. Um, I don't know if Doro would be willing to deal anything that would entice them enough to leave. So. Yeah, the well, they'd
1: have to be willing to throw that. It would be this year's first rounder, which is looking like what, pick six or seven at the moment. So,
0: Yeah, and that's probably over. That's probably overs for those three anyway. So. One
1: pick for three players? Nah.
0: But, but Peter Wright might get delisted, mate. Like, no, no, he's Peter, contracted. Okay, well, Peter Wright might go for a pick 50. I mean, he, he hasn't shown anything in the last year at Gold Coast. Uh, Jez McLennan hasn't played a game. Will Brody isn't getting a game in a team that's in the bottom half of the team. Like so I, I...
1: Peter Wright's contracted until 2022, and and he's yeah, I think you're underselling him. Like he's played 60 games, kicked 85 goals. Um, you know he's you know his best his best season, 22 games, 31 goals. You know.
0: Um, maybe there will be a trade then because there's enough difference just in this podcast to suggest that like you might, you might value that those three players would be worth more than pick.
1: So, so McLennan, McLennan, I would say, like, if you look at the sum of the individuals, Peter Wright is not, is not getting delisted. Like he's not any, and he's not going to go cheap. Like if he was to leave Gold Coast, they'd be looking for a second round return and, in my opinion and yeah
0: you're probably right when you look at some of the parts and you go Peter Wright with maybe a second round coming back will Brody probably an early second round or a late first in this draft yeah um, you're probably right McClenennan's
1: probably you know a third round
0: third or fourth yeah
1: so well again he's only two years out of the draft and and he's not you know he's still he's still not quite 20 so he's, oh, he's almost 20. And he's picked twenty three. So, you know, how much does he drop? Uh, I don't know. Like, maybe he's worth and yeah. a start of third, end of second. You know, third pick in the thirty six is thirty six this year. Going to be any less speculative than him? Probably not. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Like a pick a pick seven for those three, I think would be pretty good return. Like I'd be, right. I think both clubs would be pretty happy for Essendon. I was more thinking pick seven for two of them, not three.
0: So Yeah, well, let's, let's, let's just make it a title, a nice little bow around it. We'll get it done, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, just, just
1: just pick up the phone call and we'll sort this one out. <laughs> uh,
0: um, draft picks? Draft picks, yeah. So they currently have pick six. Uh, They traded out pick 11 that they would have had. Um, They also have pick 25. Uh, and pick 36, which is the Brisbane Lions' second-round selection. Yep. They don't have a third-round pick, and they currently have... Oh, oh, me! It's getting late. Um, They currently have the Brisbane Lions' uh, fourth-round pick, which is 71, which probably won't get used by the Suns, um, given they don't need points. Uh, I assume they'll probably use those top three picks and maybe pass, or just take a... Maybe hold it if they've got a list spot.
1: Yep. Yep. So um then oh no they might have to use 70 oh no you don't have to use picks anymore to upgrade rookies do you so no no um trade and free agency like i think this is a year where they can start to look at the brisbane model a bit more where you know potentially if and i can't see the scenario with this but if geelong was to not meet tom hawkins requirements um to continue on their list um He's an unrestricted free agent I'll, he would be great for them um, you know he would he would improve their quality next year and uh, and would also help with developing ben king um, yep. not a necessity um, Isaac Smith uh, it was been, it's been speculated for years that Isaac Smith could go to the Gold Coast I think you know potentially the times right now for him to you know move on from Hawthorne as they change list directions, it's really going to be his call and, and Clarko's call, or Graham Wright's call there. But, you know, I would think that for the for the Suns, uh, you know, an older, experienced, wiser head like Isaac Smith would, would offer a lot of value to them, much like Hodgie and and Birchall have done it at the Lions. So um, something like that would appeal. Um, and the other one, just, you know, as a bit of a, if they've got cash and... They can afford it. I'd, I'd roll the dice at a Joe Danaher. I think if you're able to get Ben King good and shout. Joe yep. Joe Danaher in the same side, your window opens pretty quickly. Like with the midfield yeah. they've got those two. I mean we've we've seen Joe Danaher play in two games and you know, he kicked what, three three in one and zero three in the other. Like the guy gets shots on goal. Um he you know he's a super talent when he's fit and you know, all you had to do was watch that first game back to just remember. Oh yeah, when we talk about two first rounders, you know, for a player, there's a reason why that was what was being demanded for him. Yeah, um, because he's he's that level of talent when when fit. So, um, yeah, they're just kind of three that I felt could offer value. Uh, I think Hawkins is pretty fanciful. Danaher, uh, it's a long shot, but. Yeah, it
0: could be a worth shot, but Isaac Smith yeah. as well. Like he's. That. I agree. I agree. I think that that model is right. Isaac Smith coming in would make sense for for a year plus a year, like a one plus one contract, like what Birchall's just had. Yep. Um, it looks like he might trigger his contract as well, which is good for him. But Joe Danaher, I think, is a great shout just for their structure going forward. Um, and you're right, it would accelerate them. Um, it would just bring in a player who's ready. Um, ready to do damage at AFL level um, if you can get on the park and and I mean that's always the big if with Danaher but I think it's probably a worthwhile risk for a club like a um, like a Gold Coast so yep good shout Um, their NGA so we sort of talked about this already but uh, Alex Davies who's probably a top 15 talent maybe a top 10 talent um, will go to them automatically Joel Jeffrey as well from the NT. Um, he's probably a top thirty talent, maybe a top twenty talent. Um, he'll go to them straight away. Uh, and they also have uh Brody Lake. Yep and so Mac Prescott. Yeah.
1: So Prescott's the one I don't know much about, but Brody Lake's actually uh he's he's playing Sandful at the moment. Um, he's, okay. he's playing for um uh, what is it? Central, central districts. So um, you know he's he's been pretty handy for them. Um, he's a he's a midfield defender utility. He models his game off Lockie Whitfield to give everyone a bit of a an idea about what he what he likes to do. Um, he, he's I mean he's not the kicking isn't probably too to Lockie Whitfield's kind of standard. But that said, like he's. Um, he's fairly handy he runs he gets the ball he gets on the overlaps and everything so he's he's um yeah he, i think he's going to be a bit of a, a a surprise packet this this year um in the draft he's he's looking quite good so yeah, you know, cool. he's potentially for them as in terms of where he sits in the draft he's probably at the moment um somewhere around the 40s um but you know, if he keeps playing the way he's playing, he's a good size for a utility player. So you know, he's under 86 centimetres and playing against men, so he can quite easily come into to the top 30, top 20 type area, which just shows you it's the value good. of being able to pick these guys outside.
0: Yeah, it's a good area of the field for them as well, like mm. a, a mid-defender type utility. Like Those are the types of players that I was saying they need to round out so I really like that um, the draft is going to be really interesting for them so uh, pick six is the is the big one with where they'll go um, I sort of suggested last year when we said that they should be using pick one um, thinking they were going to finish on bottom that um, they would use pick one on Will Phillips um, and, and now that they have pick six or around pick six um, I think that they should use pick six on Will Phillips <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, put put it put it put it simply. Um, just add another um, tough and honest mid. Um, I think they have relatively good balance throughout the rest of the midfield. Like Anderson is quite tall and fast, and um, Real is insane and competitive, um, and potentially Will Phillips falls into that sort of basket as well. But I think that they can deal with one more of that type of player. He doesn't have huge knocks on his disposal, so. There's a couple of players at that, that sort of range where I think they'd be good at and it really just depends on who slips through to them because it's a good spot to pick in the draft.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm probably more in the Elijah Holland's bandwagon if he's available. Um, yeah. I think he would just compliment them beautifully. He's a he's obviously a, a mid-forward um, uh, coming back from an ACL. So, you know, he, he was being talked about as the number one pick until he did his ACL uh, last year. So, you know, uh, I guess he's probably going to slide a little bit. Where does he fit? It's really hard to pick. He's, you know, He should be probably top three on talent, but how much has the, the knee hurt him? So if he's available at six, I'd go him over Will Phillips. I just think that he would complement their side, given that they've already got Raoul and they've already got Anderson. And they've still got guys like Swallow and Tukmela and that around. I would probably... Um, I don't think they've got... Um, too many elijah Holland types so you know he would probably go and take Nick holman's spot for example um, and yeah. and in, not instantly but within 10 15 games he, he's he's probably exceeded the 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 ceiling that that Nick holman has so
0: yeah definitely I think that um that at this pick as well I think I said at the other on Twitter it's sort of you have to just wait and see who gets through your pick as well from that top bunch because Tilthorpe could also be available and you could be selecting your your future ruckman yeah. um, like a, selecting a ruck forward um, and you could play him as a deep forward at the start of his career um, and let him blossom into the ruck as Witt's sort of ages so there's that potential as well um, it, it's a it's a really good spot to be in the draft I, I think that they as much as they want to win um, towards the end of the year, a couple of losses that sort of sees them slip into that bottom six is a really good area of the draft for them to be in.
1: Yep. Um, and then with pick 25 and 36, I'd like to see them, um, and we kind of talked about potentially do they trade out next year's pick, but I, I was also thinking they could package these picks up and try and get in into around 20 and go for a kid like Zane True or something. So... It brings that, like what you're talking about with Will Phillips, probably another a bit more of a bigger body, uh, similar to Anderson, but slightly different. Not as not as um probably not as lateral as Anderson in the way he plays. So yeah, um, yeah. I think it's um I think I think for them, it's high high end. The more picks they can take inside of the top twenty. Um, with obviously being able to select all these guys outside and put them on the rookie list as well—that's not main list spots. So, having a top ten talent or in Alex Davies and putting him on the rookie list, you know, yeah. that sort of thing is just you know that that that's the craziness to me. But so that's why for them, I would just maximize and, and get inside top twenty and go for those talents. And and as they've you know they've overspent draft value index wise last year in getting sharp and all that probably doesn't hurt them they don't care draft points don't matter they just got to go get the players they want and you know this year uh, having you know with it being so compromised and being one that's benefiting from the compromise why not maximize it
0: yeah no it's a it's a good way of putting it and uh, it's probably something I had spent enough time thinking about when I was thinking about the the Giants. I, I, I like um I like saying true yeah Pardon? You said the Giants, the Suns. Sorry, I keep mixing these two teams up, um, but I don't know why, probably because they were formed at the same time, but that's not a good enough reason. Um, but True, I, I think, is good. Uh, the other player who I think is good, and, and he sort of potentially sits between um, where we see if they traded up and got an earlier pick, and this pick six is um, is Oliver Henry. Yeah. Um, like the Jack Henry's brother um is a utility uh type player but like a 188 forward i think he would complement their side well um i don't know if he's pick 6 um value or if he's pick 16 value it's going to be really hard to place a lot of these kids this year but he's somebody who i think would fit their team well going forward um i think they could use a few of those role type players that could be like excellent role type players so um yeah that's sort of where I see them. Um, did you did you have anything else, or are we moving into final words?
1: Um, yeah, no, I didn't have anything to add there. I think we've covered that off pretty well. So final words. Um, I mean, yeah, with the Gold Coast going through it, there's you know there's not a lot to not a lot going wrong as we said off the field. So they got to just keep maintaining that stability they're doing. Keep backing the club. Keep backing in Stewie Jew. Um, I know there was a little bit of controversy about them moving on Dean Solomon and all that sort of stuff, but you know that's that's not instability. That's unfortunately we're going to see a lot of very good um, assistant coaches leave our game with this reduction in in um, department spending uh, in soft cap. So um, unfortunately, you know, for them, Dean Solomon was one of them. Um, so keep the stability. The other thing is, yeah, as I just said, high-end kids. So you know, if you're going to let Peter Wright and and Jez McLennan and um, Will Brody go, making sure the picks you get back, you know, maybe when if you're sending out Will Brody to Essendon, it's Will Brody plus pick 25 to get try and get Essendon's pick seven or something, or you know, try and yeah. try and do everything you can to flip um, to flip all your trades into top 20 picks. Um, cause I think this year with enough, with all the NGA kids they've got, um, and being able to take them completely outside of the draft, if they can get, you know, two or three top 20 picks this year, um, I think that's when they can start pulling the trigger and they can trade out next year's future picks and, and, and go for it.
0: Yeah, man, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I think that my final words were just to go to the draft, um, And it's my final words for a lot of clubs um, because I am an advocate for going to the draft and um, taking the risk and taking the plunge, but I think that they're far enough down the path now that um, going to the draft continues to make sense where they can just put people in their system and they've got plenty of young kids coming through. Um, So I'm I'm really excited about the Suns. And I think there's one thing that This potentially isn't to do with the Suns. It's more to do with the competition and what we were talking about with Solomon. Um, There'll be one upside of a lot of this, um, and it's really hard to find upside with people losing their jobs and their dreams and things like that. But if if list sizes are cut back uh, and if spending is cut, there are going to be more good coaches and more good players at the second tier. Um and the second tier is going to become a much stronger competition. I mean they've already announced their um formation of what should be called the um Eastern Footy League or Southeastern Footy League. Um, but at the moment is called the VFL. Uh, the new VFL. Um, but that that competition seeing a lot of good coaches that want to be at AFL level. Um, and good players that want to be at AFL level. Um, I think it's going to. I think it's going to be really good. For, for that level of competition given the beating that it's taken um this year and really over the last 10 years so i'm looking forward to that um i just have to yeah it's just hard to see people lose their jobs in order to make that happen yeah yeah and that's it
1: it's, it's really it's really difficult um, this this change this shift change in in the AFL through covid um, and yeah there's a lot of a lot of people who have worked very hard to to make the afl dream reality and um you know john we sat in a, a a um a conference a few years ago a sports conference an analytics conference um where you know some people from there from the afl got up and they spoke about you know what they were doing and working on and you know it was interesting in i think one of the panel discussions they were talking about um you know the AFL in terms of you know everyone talks about the big money players and the big money coaches and all that stuff, but the reality is a lot of the support staff um, there's a love factor, and and often that love factor is about a twenty percent difference between what they could be earning um, in private industry versus what they earn in the AFL. So a lot of people have you know sacrificed to get to the AFL because they they want to get there, they love it. Um, you know whether it's your physios, your, your data analysts, your, um, you know, your even, even doctors to a lesser extent, um, and all these sorts of, you know, support staff that make up AFL teams and, you know, knowing, you know, seeing that presentation that we saw and, and it's always kind of struck me that, yeah, like a lot of the people who aren't, you know, the bosses, you know, your head of footy or your, your head of recruiting or, or your your head coach or your senior assistant coach, basically everything after that, a lot of those guys you know they don't get paid the money everyone probably thinks they get paid, so you know it's hard to see those guys exiting um you know after probably sacrificing a, a bit of money on what they could have been earning on the outside so um to anyone in that situation and the people at a f l house who who are also you know um losing their jobs we we certainly send our thoughts out to you guys and you know hope it hope it gets better
0: yeah nice sentiment to finish off Sean and um, we are still working our way through these episodes so I'm looking forward to doing a couple more of these over the next few weeks as we see more and more clubs fall out of contention yeah I think the results tonight are keeping too many clubs in contention for us to go too far ahead yeah um, but we potentially have two or three or two or three more clubs that we can knock off over the last the next few weeks and um it's been great to jump online with you again shawnee and i'm looking forward to doing it again soon and for everyone out there listening um if you're anywhere else in australia enjoy it and if you're in victoria just we'll, we'll get through this um it's it's i know it seems like a long time but we're going to get more and more time back with with friends and family soon um and and we'll get through this
1: thanks guys for listening uh thank you john for all your hard work with this podcast um i think i every year i try and give you a shout out for all the amazing editing and hard work you do Um, i certainly do not contribute in that area Um, so
0: it is greatly appreciated brother that's all right, mate. I mean, the only way you do contribute is just by making uh, sure that I have a job to edit, by making thousands of errors throughout every episode, and making me have to spend days cleaning up our episodes just to make them um, make sense. I think that if you just listen to me talk, then it would be okay. But um, yeah, listening to your dribble, mate, um, yeah, can <laughs> sort of make things tough. And this is and this is why I don't thank you very often. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, mate. Uh, thanks, we'll you guys. Much. Thanks again for listening. And um, yeah, we'll chat soon. All right. Catch ya. Bye.